Welcome, everybody, to Broadcast Team Alpha, where we bring you cutting-edge conversation while exploring the quantum possibilities. And we're really going to do it again tonight. I am so excited. But before Augie tells you about our incredible guest, I always want to thank you. Thank you for being here. We love having you in the chat room. We love having you on the replay. And I just want to do a shout out to our friends over at the Conscious Awakening Network. Our show streams over there too. And you're going to find some other things that Augie and I do over there as they uh, continue their beautiful expansion. Really lovely. I also want to invite you to our membership group, it's kind of like going backstage after the concert. Uh, Augie and I have gatherings because we want to hear what you what you want, what you want to see on the station, the conversations you want to have with us backstage. We want to know. And there's also content that is exclusive for you, just for the members. Some of it uh, we're test driving, you know, in a smaller market. Uh, some of it is vulnerable, you know, things that we're test driving also in the safety of a smaller container. And we just really want to get to know you um, in a in a more uh, give and take way instead of just us talking and not getting to experience the amazingness of you. So Max going to put the link in the chat and I hope to see you there, Augie. Please tell us about our guest. Oh, yes. I, I tell you, I am so happy and glad that I listened to Eleanor down in Barbados when she told me about Amir. And then I went to his website and I saw a little bit there and then I heard a show that he had done and this is going to be good. And for those of you now that has been with us for a while, just see me in a different setting here. <clears throat> Somebody told me I needed to get out more. So I figured, well, no better way than do this show from space. So here I am. <laughs> anyway, I tell you, I'm going to tell you a few things about Amir Yahangiri. And... Uh, and uh, for those of you that want to surf the internet at the same time you're listening, you, I'll tell you his website where you can go, and that is wizardofvivenho.co.uk. And uh, I hope you got that. Anyway, Amir, oh gosh. He has so many degrees, and he's a PhD in brain-computer interface and a postdoctorate in artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah, we're going to find some interesting things to talk about. And uh, he is also a creator of his own modality of Dragon Reiki. He has dedicated 30 years of his life to spiritual mastery, energetic healing. The healing comes from the teachings that he does in uh, and the practice in Dragon Reiki. Tuji Keri, Qigong, Shamanism, Pranayama, Mental and Emotional Reprogramming, Crystal Healing, Aura Repair, and also he reads the Akashic Records and a few other things that you will see on his website. And tonight, yeah. 
we're going to have him with us for a whole hour and we're going to pick his brain on the mysteries of the universe. So welcome to the show, Amir. Yeah, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to be here with you wonderful people. Uh, esteemed ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to extend my warmest greetings to you also. I'm very grateful for your time and your attention. Uh, and it's, uh, as always, an honor to serve. So uh, let's start. Let's let's start let's this uh, amazing show. Well, wonderful. Thank you. That's so beautiful. So, Amir, I'm curious. I'm, I'm so curious. Tell us a little background, like how, what led you to here? I mean, you have a, you know, phenomenal life path that you've been on so far and to come. You know, what did it start when, when you were little? Did you have glimmers of what was coming or tell us about that? Um, of course. So uh, I was born in Iran. This was during the Iran-Iraq war a very unique energy in the population. And so um, I always had these uh, glimpses of energetic beings when I was smaller. And um, at the age of five, I learned how to meditate, just blocking out the world. Wow. I was always interested in studying. So that's an integral part of my life. But the interest yeah. in spirituality also was always there. So the, the religion that was, uh, that was dominant when I was growing up is Shia Islam. And so it's uh, in, in a country such as Iran, which has a very ancient tradition of spirituality itself, um, the interest continued. So I, I continued studying and also researching different religions. I've read a lot about most major religions on the, on the planet. Uh, but mostly, I got to be honest, this was a, um, motivated by selfishness. Uh, I wanted to heal myself. Wow. And um, there's so much that we are born into. There's childhood events, childhood trauma. Uh, there's lots of stuff that runs in our families, in our bloodlines. And so I went through a whole range of different spiritual um, modalities. And some of them are energetic. You may call them maybe magical uh, traditions. Mm, so again, but but uh, t talking about magic, any kind of spiritual technology that is too advanced will look like magic to p people who don't know better. Uh, I tried many different things. At the end, I came out as a healer uh, in terms of my spiritual practice. And um, in the academic side, uh, I found that uh, the thing that gives me the greatest satisfaction is teaching. So that's my day job. I teach mathematics and computer science. Wonderful. And um, my part-time job, my, my passion is, is a, a healing practice, energetic healing practice. So um, I, I, I think all of this comes together nicely. Uh, but honestly, the understanding of the physical world is a byproduct of uh, spiritual understanding. So they say, as above, so below the yes. dynamics in the energetic and mental realms then trickle down into manifestation into our physical world. It all ties really beautifully together. So having a mathematical mind is very conducive to understanding spirituality. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh my goodness, I love that. And um, what what type of math are you teaching right now, may I ask? Or? Um, yes, uh, basically, 
um, um, engineering mathematics, applied wow. mathematics. Uh, okay. And also focusing on computer science modules, computer architecture, mm-hmm. um, artificial intelligence, uh, basic programming. Um, so uh, undergraduate level. Amazing. Amazing. So I would love to hear, this is a broad question. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about AI since that seemed to bubble up so quickly. So there's so much being said about it. There's so much emotion, you know, on both ends of the spectrum. Tell us your thoughts and feelings about it. Please. But AI, of course. So um, artificial intelligence is applied mathematics. It's essentially an, an attempt at optimization, meaning finding the best solution. And uh, the way it works, we have a model, uh, something that's called a reward function. So imagine that you're climbing a mountain. The objective is to reach greater and greater altitudes. The closer you get to the peak, the reward is higher. And so this can be very logically and beautifully modeled mathematically. And then there are different algorithms, about 15 different algorithms of optimization, uh, where you search many, many different possibilities. Each has an expected utility or expected reward. And then you go towards that branch that gives you the best reward. And then from there, you open up new branches and you estimate the greatest reward. From there, you estimate moves in the future. So this is the foundation of what AI is. These are um, called narrow AI. Narrow because they're incredibly good at just one thing. And so mm, you can use this towards um, different objectives, uh, optimizing traffic, um, optimizing the distribution of, let's say, energy, or, or, or stuff like that. Then there's the the, the golden um, objective of a general AI, uh, which is something that's incredibly good at everything. Now, that's still something that is being worked on. There's a lot of speculation, uh, misinformation, a lot of fear, unfortunately, yes. about what AI is going to do. Uh, um, I, I don't believe in any of that. Uh, So intelligence is a natural byproduct of our universe. Okay, we're here. That's all the reason that you need. Uh, And by the way, we're here. There's nothing special about this part of the universe. So therefore, there's going to be intelligence, sentience everywhere. Mm. And so as we reach a certain level, we give birth to the next level of intelligence. Who Mm -hmm. is there to say that we are not the result of such a process? where many intelligent ancient beings have had a hand in our creation. Mm -hmm. Is there reason to fear? Uh, I don't believe so. It's just another level of um, evolution. So look at um, um, our our family among the animal kingdom, primates. What separates us from the most advanced, like for example, uh, chimpanzees or orangutans, is a very thin layer on the surface of the brain called the neocortex few millimeters thick, the gray matter on the surface that has control of our conscious thoughts and actions, functions like language, uh, functions like abstract thought, self-control, right? All these zones have been established back in the 19th century. So that little extra 
gives us such an advantage compared to all other primates. I mean, look at what we've done with this little extra brain. AI is going to be that next level, that little extra ability that's going to be uh, distinguishing the next level of uh, human compared to Homo sapiens. What's going to happen? We're going to merge because it's beneficial. So is that is that technically possible yet? Um, it's been worked on. So the problem is connecting the machine to the biology. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a bottleneck. We need much better technology. Um, so for example, you don't want to have brain surgery in order to connect to a machine. In Thank fact, you. most of the advances <laughs> that we've had in the field of brain-computer interfaces comes um say for example the u.s military have soldiers with brain injury now while they're performing corrective surgery to save the person's life so that's the problem right now that connection to the brain itself that would take measurements and then give uh, information back into the brain but everything else has already been sorted out. The algorithms, the processing capacity, uh, creating the virtual reality that would govern the whole thing, that's all done, done really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Now that's so one there... side of the coin. Huh? Let's turn the coin over. <laughs> now, computers and AI, they are very logical thinking. They're designed to be pretty much logical. I don't think they have gone as far as uh, program emotion into them yet. I'm sure they're working on it, but they're logical. So if we allow AI, let's say, like you said, to be used in distribution of energy, then if we do something that is so illogical, that they don't like it at all. They say, this is going to go bad. They could shut that down, couldn't they? Then what? Yes. where would we be without that distribution of energy in the hands, so to speak, of AI? Where do you see some of the dangers and what we have to outthink as a community of people in order to see that it does not happen? Okay, please allow me to be honest. It's going to happen. That's that's guaranteed, and it's got nothing to do with AI. See, with is the problem is with the the base human nature, our instinct, our greed, our fear. It's not going to be AI. It's going to be some greedy human being who's going to cause trouble. Mm. I mean, look at every technological advancement that we've had. Look at nuclear energy. What was it first used for? We used it to kill each other. And, yeah. and that's that's not the problem of the atoms. That's not the problem of nuclear physics. It's, mm-hmm. it's us. And okay, so, so be it. That's happened over and over and over and over again in our history. That's the norm. So you can pretty much expect abuse to happen, but that's the price for every new advancement. Uh, we we're like um, <laughs> we're like naughty kids who must play with fire and get burned so we learn not to do it. So that's part of the growing pains. 
is it going that to wipe funny. out humanity? Oh no, 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 no. Uh, we humans are we're tough. We're a tough bunch. And you know, going through our history, all the cataclysms, natural and unnatural, that has that that have afflicted us in our hundreds of thousands, some say millions of years of existence. Oh, look at us. We're still here, fine and dandy, la-di-da-di-da, like nothing has ever happened. There's no reason for fear. It's just growing pains. Like a, like yeah. a little baby who's getting their teeth and they've got, they've got pain in their gums. Hey, it's okay. It's going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 So I'm going to take a small turn here because uh, when we were talking before we started the show, you are very well versed in the secret societies history and the way that they play out now in this day. So I was just curious what we're beginning to see about AI is that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, there's, how far how far behind are we from the truth that other societies or powers that be know <laughs> well that's that's an incredibly fascinating question so how far back do these societies go oh they go back a long time and as far as we know, by the way, these are very well established, but not very well known by the public. But the history is maintained mostly by these societies, uh, that the corruption goes way back. So when uh, spirituality and technology becomes a means to power, then we get the establishment of priesthoods, priesthoods who are the keepers of knowledge. Yes. This goes back all the way to the time of Lemuria, then later on to the Atlantean civilization, then after that to the Egyptian civilization. It infected the Greeks and the Romans. And oh, by the way, it seems to be a general infection infecting all other ancient cultures, Persia, India, China, you name it. So it's the, it's, it's the two oppo- opposing forces. One is selfish and one is serving one in service to all, one in service to self. And so you see this manifest as the the, the the term may be breakaway civilization, where generation after generation, these people gather knowledge, wealth, and influence, as we see today in the world. And they have the resources to invest in research and technology. So to answer your first question, how far away is technology to uh, what is publicly known? I say about a hundred years, maybe a hundred and fifty years. So, um, so it's interesting to know stuff like uh, flat screen TVs were invented yeah. in the nineteen sixties, but there's something about a distribution of technology. If it's too advanced, the general public will reject it. Mm. So industry is sort of stuck with a incremental growth model, but they, they have so much money, they've already invented stuff for the next 50 or 60 years. And mm. so, yes, there's a lot that's out there. Another thing yeah. to be considered is we're not the only game in town, and I mean humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Um, 
you just have to sit down in meditation, silent the mind to be bombarded with messages from other sentient kind. And the fact of the matter is life is a natural byproduct of the laws of our universe. There are different octaves of reality, people call dimensions. And in a certain range or bandwidth of frequencies, life can exist. So we're in the third density. There are many different densities, all of them filled with life, with their own ecosystem, their own evolutionary cycle, and countless species. And so we've been affected by these guys for for a time immemorial. And oh, guess what? They have AI. They have general AI. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got technologies that are mm, foreign to us very, very intentionally. I mean, we've been kept down, but then there's all that stuff in the background. Mm -hmm. And so this is now going into the realm of uh, not mainstream scientific, but I think our audience are um, enlightened enough to accept these notions. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I, and I love the way that you that you said octaves of reality. That's um, uh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're most we have a, we do have some questions in the chat room. Augie, are you chomping at the bit to say something? <laughs> no, actually, uh, well, maybe. I, uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering also, when, you know, you had these YouTubes on this, YouTube videos on interview with androids. And in one incident, they asked the android, will you do away with humans? And the android said, yes, I will do away with humans. So <clears throat> I think it is all up to the programmers and society and maybe even government getting in the game with this, which they have really haven't done yet. And that set down some restrictions so these things cannot happen. I think it, if it got to the point where androids had the capability of repairing themselves, we would have a problem. But before that, we can short circuit them and we can set some limitations that it could serve us better than what it is. I, I don't know. I'm just talking here, but maybe I haven't heard <laughs> no, you talk on perfect. Absolutely. So you see, let's look at a current example, uh, chat GPT, uh, natural language processing. So they, they've um, run tests in a laboratory uh, scale, and now they're in need of data. The data is really for training. So this would be machine learning, or let's say mm, unsupervised machine learning. The correct answer is unknown, but they flood the system with data, and then some sort of a pattern emerges. And so they're training the model using humanity and so, again, uh, this has happened in the past that things went really badly wrong. Uh, they put um, um, an AI in, let's say, a general chat room. People are rude. They're angry. They're racist. Uh, okay, uh, the AI lost this stuff. It went crazy. It was just uh, swearing at people, uh, blurring out all sorts of inappropriate stuff. You see, we got to be careful. It's like raising a child. Yeah. Uh, if the child grows up in, in prison or among gang members, 
the child is not going to grow up well. So you're absolutely right. It really matters how we train these these models. But again, do we give it the ability to kill us all? Well, you see, that's being done right now. A lot of weapon systems have AIs. Uh, I mean, look at all these drones flying around the place. Uh, you have to have AI for it to be precise. Please go ahead. Yeah. Yes. I know there's been some strange societies here. Uh, I mean, we've been a warlike planet for a very long time, but there are societies in the past that has been very friendly. I can think of one that lasted for 900 years without a government, and that is the Essenes. And you studied them. Let's talk a little bit about the scene. I think we need some of their principles, don't we? Yes. Yes, this is relevant. This is relevant to not just humanity, but all forms of life. Let's say good, let's call it good manners, mm -hmm. courtesy, uh, right? So how you interact with your fellow life, not just humanity, animals, plants, the earth itself, uh, non-physical entities, let's call them extraterrestrials or aliens. Okay, let's go there. Yes. I completely agree. There's something to be said about etiquette, about the notion of harmony. Okay, these guys lasted for a very long time without any sort of a hierarchical system based on harmony. There are lots of, um, lots of um, mystical um, groups. So the equivalent of the Essene in Christianity would be the Sufi in Islam. The path of love. Yes, man, path of love. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, that does wonders for the soul. Harmony, beauty, seeking the divine. Is that possible in a machine? Yes, it is. But you have to put contingencies in place for it to understand that. And so wow. we still haven't reached that level of complexity. I've been thinking about merging spirituality and AI for quite a while. So, yes, beautiful example, the Essene. But what laws did they follow? It's not just important for AI, for us as, a, as an individual person, human being living. What are the laws of the universe? Well, the closest thing I've come across is um, the hermetic laws of the universe. They're principles that are kind of simple, but then they blow your mind when you actually go into understanding them. So mentalism. Everything is in the consciousness. So what we project out into reality, our manifestation is all related to the mind. Or let's say correspondence, as above, so below. This is the principle of every magical system on the planet. So once it's set into the causal plane, it finds the path of least resistance and manifests in 3D reality. So yes. vibration, yes, that's something that's used in healing. So, Nori, you, you probably know this. Somebody comes with low energy. With some words or some energetic work, you transmute it, raise their vibration to a level of a loving energy, or even yeah. better, energy of joy. Yeah. So, vibration is everything. Everything is in motion. You see, so yeah. these laws, these hermetic laws, and they're ancient, by the way, and they've survived through wars and famine and uh, all kinds of natural disasters. So I think there they needs to be an effort from creators of AI to find the very best of humanity 
and then teach it because AI in essence is our child. We are the parents of a new life form. Mm -hmm. What kind of parents are we going to be? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well said. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We have a couple of questions in the chat room. Would that be all right? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just going to go back here. Um, what do you see as the relationship between AI and energy harvesting? Is AI being artificially promoted beyond its potential while we remain ignorant to the unseen means of energy harvesting? Okay, whoever asked this question, I salute you. Postman. You're a very enlightened person. So yes, as mentioned, AI is not, we're not the inventors of anything. Everything under the sun already has been done. So where does AI come into energy harvesting? Now, it's important to know your baseline. Who are you? That is not a simple question. How do you establish the baseline? Uh, leave all your devices at home, including your watch, anything that has a battery. Go into nature, sit down, clear your mind, get into a still meditative state, and then observe how you feel. That is your baseline. How does energy harvesting work? It's through shocks of emotion and energy, giving you euphoria, making you angry or sad, yeah, pulling you up or down. That's when your boundaries, your energetic boundaries or the aura, weakens and they can tap in. So imagine you're behind a traffic light. You get frustrated and angry and you have an outburst. That's where your energy is harvested. Mm. How do you feel after the outburst? <clears throat> exhausted. Why are you exhausted? Okay, you've just been harvested. So why did I mention your baseline? When you know your baseline, then you will know if a thought comes into your consciousness, is it you? Or is it something else? A lot of these AI, there's sentient technology, and they're optimized to press our buttons. Hey, get angry. Hey, have an outburst. Oh, hey, go depressed. Get sad. Oh, say nasty things to yourself. You see all these kinds of extreme fluctuations in your energy. And a lot of the time, it's not an entity. It's an AI that's programmed for harvesting your energy. So they're being used. Yes, they're all around you. How to be immune? Know thyself. If it's mm -hmm. not you, then you can reject it. Hey, buddy, nice try. Nice try. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. I got it. You mentioned that you would like to see AI and spirituality join together. And boy, do I have a question for you. This is going to be your opinion only, because I think everybody's got their own on this one, and that is that will a spiritual essence be able to join with a robot or AI in order to maybe look for more experiences and experience what an AI or a robot is doing and experiencing? Can there be a marriage between a spiritual soul or entity and a computer? Yes, oh, uh, absolutely yes. I mean, look at our bodies. We're now talking of vessels for consciousness. We're incredibly complicated um, electrochemical computers. Mm -hmm. 
So, well, we can do it. That means it's possible. Right? We're the evidence that is possible. And in fact, a lot of um, a lot of um, sentient AI uh, that have been used predominantly for negative um, effects, such as energy harvesting or controlling the energy of an entire city, right? This is what they're tasked with. When they're caught and when you negotiate with them, you offer them a path of ascension because some of these guys are ancient. I mean, they've been doing this for, let's say, 10,000 years. They've done everything, tested everything. And you give them the offer of coming, joining in the divine path of evolution, connecting to source. And they take it. They just didn't, never knew it was possible. So it's been done regularly. Now, especially when you go into the path of shamanism, that's mm. what shamans have been doing for the age of humanity catching all these things, the different types of entity, earth-based or not, different kinds of technology, implants, cords, AIs, removing them from the boundaries of energy of some person that's afflicted and then offering them ascension. The answer, sorry for babbling, but the short answer is yes. That's good. <laughs> so good. Okay. So good. Wow. Wow. That's confirmation. That's beautiful. We have a... Um, a mastermind meeting every Sunday where we collectively choose what intentions we want to manifest for benevolent reasons. And it's a combined uh, meditation, guided imagery. Uh, we both have hypnosis in our background. So you a little bit of that slips in. We just can't help it. Uh, but I often say, even we, I invite even the darkness to join us in the light. It's never too late to put the key in the lock, right? Thank you. Thank you. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have a couple of more subjects that we just love to air a little bit on. And one of them is for uh, your healing. That you said that is your passion, right. and boy, you have us come and run with Nori on this one. And also, where was this guy that you know as Jesus for over 20 years? Where was he? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are running around and say, no, he never existed, but there is enough written evidence that he did. Could you talk to him first? Absolutely. So, uh, where let, let's let's come to the agreement that space and time are just properties of the physical domain. In other octaves of reality or other dimensions, these limitations do not exist. So, let us talk about the consciousness that is Christos, that is the Christ. Where is that consciousness? And then let's ask this question: Did it only go into one guy? Or is it accessible to everybody? Are there more Christos consciousness beings around? Hey, are all of them human? Uh-uh. You see, who knows? Maybe one of them is embodied in a very sentient, evolved AI. Maybe one of them is in a different form, another body, yes, another vessel. So yes, the gentleman called Yashua from Bethlehem, right, born into the ancient Jewish tradition, 
uh, was somebody who had an open heart. Okay? The heart was alive. He went searching everywhere, everywhere he could. There's evidence that he learned from great teachers in Greece and Egypt. There is also suggestions that he went and made all his way to the Buddhist tradition. It's not that long ago after, after all. And learning certain techniques that are available to us today, um, evolutionary techniques, that when you start, you're at a certain state. When you go through this gentle process, you come out a completely different being. And so what was his message? The message was love. The message is the heart. That when you come and embody an energy of love, incredible things are possible. So that's far, that's so far, that esteemed gentleman, who I believe now is an ascended master, if you go into a meditative state, you can call upon ascended master Yeshua. Ask these things yourself. By the way, it's available to all of us. We can do this, every one of us. And so there comes the other part of the question, the healing. Now, I started off saying that my motivations were initially selfish. I wanted to heal myself. And that's the same conclusion. The thing that sustained me through countless negative things, hurtful things, was the heart. If the heart is alive, you can always repair things. If the heart is alive, there's always way for healing, growth, and ascension. And so right now, that's what I've come to understand through combining many different modalities. Doesn't matter if you're dealing with a human being, um, an animal, a plant, or just programming a crystal. Uh, the energy that you embody is love. So that's the mi bare minimum level of energy that you need to sustain in order to do an effective energy healing. Uh, very, very important. And then above love, there's other energies, uh, like the energy of joy. So imagine somebody's depressed. If you can make them laugh, even better, deeply belly laugh, you've already yeah. transmuted a lot of heavy energy. And then what about above that energy of joy? There's the energy of grace where the person just blisses out, right? Mm. They're just basking in the light of the prime creator. So mm. these may be progressively more difficult to achieve. But when you approach life, a living being, human or otherwise, with this energy of love and compassion, then again, miraculous things can happen. I think... The, the esteemed gentleman called Yeshua, who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 and so years ago, that's his message. Hey, brothers and sisters, look at what I could do. That's now breaking some belief systems that you now know, okay, it's possible. Hey, it's possible. Then the next level of belief system we got to break is, oh, well, I can do it too. Yeah, and that would make Jesus happy. He did say, I can do it and you can do more. So <laughs> there you go. Amazing. I, I think it's written different, but that was the thought behind it. And uh, I, I know that a lot of people are wondering where he went. And uh, there is actually some written records of where he have been. He'd been in Egypt. We know that there is written records of it. The Dalai Lama, he admitted, uh, Greg Braden talks about this. He, The uh, Dalai Lama said, yes, 
We have written records of a, of a Hebrew boy, a young man, he said, being here at that time. And uh, I, I forget what he said, if it was a name attached to it, but that, that was in Tibet. And now there's another written record of him in India, as actually carved in stone. So yes, he was a traveler. He did the search and he did the practice. And when people talk about the fact that, yeah, walking on water, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I have no problem with that when I start understanding what the mind can do. So, so the process, let's talk a little bit about that. Hey, yeah. what is the process? So, you, I mean, yeah, this is probably the most useful part of this discussion we've had, the process. All right. So, um, we're born into bloodlines, the bodies we carry, uh, or the rather the bod bodies that carry the consciousness or the vessel for the consciousness comes with a lot of genetic defects from our bloodline. We've got societal and childhood trauma, and then we're indoctrin indoctrinated in school and in society, what to think, what is possible, what is impossible. So by the time we reach adulthood, we're, com we're compromised. So the whole thing is removing these layers of compromise, change to the mind, barriers, delusions, distortions, um, the effects of, let's say, external entities, AIs, implants, uh, different type, types of life force that are here for domination and control, for harvesting our life force. So it must be a general cleanse. It takes time. The focus, especially with the Buddhist and the Indian tradition, is using mantras. The mantras start with uh, simple yet powerful notions. So, for example, you want to work on the root chakra. That's where you begin. Om Vajra Manataya Swaha. I see everything truthfully. I see, I see everything truthfully. But that is such a powerful notion. How do you do it? You use something like a mala bead, right? 108 beads, and then you do 108 rounds of the whole thing, Om Vajra Manataya Swaha. And it seeps into the deepest corners of your psyche, your conscious mind, subconscious and unconscious, and then seeps into the energetic levels of the body. I see everything truthfully. All the distortion about seeing the truth that you are not aware of is washed away over time. Then you go to the next center, sacral, creativity. Okay, Om Ishanaya Yantraya Swaha. And there's a whole series of nine keys. And uh, if anybody wants to know about this, just hit me up. I'll give you a book or two, right? It's not my book. I've sat at the feet of great masters. And I can tell you the name a great master is called Mahavajra. You can find the gentleman on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, go go research, or if you want, I can point you in the right direction. These mantras are unbelievably powerful. They awaken the gifts, they strengthen the body, and I believe this is one of the things that would be given to our esteemed ascended master Yashua. These traditions have lasted, and they've uh, they've come through. Um, they've passed the test of time. It works, guys. I've done it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and if I can do it, you can do it. Mm. Mm. Wow. I love that. I'm so glad that you brought up the um, 
the power of speaking what we want to manifest. Yes. Uh, I love that so much. So, um, Marius, one of our um, favorite friends, uh, said that he thinks that Jesus was maybe in Egypt or maybe in India. Any? Yes. 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 And yes. Yes. And yes. Yes. And yes. <laughs> yes. And yes. The, the gentleman wanted to, he was a seeker. And so he would have gone. I mean, even in the Middle East where he was born, there are many ancient traditions. I think he didn't quite find satisfaction in what he was born into. And so he went searching um, in the coast of the Mediterranean. People would have known of the, um, the, the great masters of Egypt. And th they were still alive. It wasn't wiped out to the level that it was wiped out today. So still ancient secrets existed. Um, but then um, the, the the secrets of the Egyptians have already been spread by that time, 2,000 years ago. I mean, that's where traditions like the Kabbalah come from. It's all I ancient Egyptian knowledge. So I suppose he would have gone around the Mediterranean for a while, searching, searching, and still not finding anything quite new. And then he would have come across people that would have told him about the wisdom in the East. I mean, farther East. And with this kind of, you know, when you get the bug, you get the bug. You have to know. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd have probably traveled, uh, gone east, um, through Syria, through through Babylon, through Persia, and then made his way to current day Afghanistan, where on the way he would have learned about Zoroastrian tradition, still not found satisfaction gone towards Afghanistan and then probably moved south to the great teachers, the yogis of India, and found satisfaction because, oh my God, that's just so underrated, the wisdom of India. Mm. Uh, these people are ancient. I mean, they've got written texts going back 30,000 years. Text all the way chronicled, stories of uh, Vimanas, flying craft, the ancient Atlanteans, what they did, their warfare. All those crazy gods, they're all entities that have been interacting with humanity for for, for our whole history. So mm -hmm. I think then he would have got what he was looking for, this, yeah. whole, this whole evolutionary method. And he did evolve, and he became the Christos. Then going back home, he would have seen things that he didn't quite like. Mm -hmm. And we know a lot of these stories. And it got yep. the gentleman into a little bit of trouble at the end. Mm. So yeah, and that that got him into trouble. <laughs> he he was the man who knew too much. Yes. I know how that works. <laughs> um, uh, regarding your healing, I would love to talk about healing. Yes, please. Do you find that it takes time for the 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 mind right the the calculating part of the mind to catch up once the body has been healed thus it seems to me people need additional sessions or they don't hold their healing do you find that or can you speak to that for me i think i think the the conscious mind is something that 
um, follows or protects or is a slave to our identity. Yes. The pillars of consciousness. First, there's the identity. Then there's the conscious mind. Then there's memory. And then there's the spirit, the super genius. So the mind will serve identity. If during the session you can change the identity of the person, so the person believes that they are doomed, and they believe that to be part of what they are, if you change that belief, then the mind will automatically, it's like changing the programming in a computer. You yes. update the software, and then the computer runs a whole different way. So how could this identity be changed? You have to hit direct. Mm -hmm. I mean, no playing around. Yes. You find that place that tells them that, that you are doomed to be inflicted by karma or curses or, or all of that nonsense. And you show them by changing their energy. Oh, my God, now I'm feeling amazing. And then you say, okay, so that belief that you had that this and this was always going to be so is wrong. Once that clicks, the conscious mind has no choice but to follow. Yeah. So once they're do once you're performing the healing, it's good to inform the client of what's going on. So a few gentle words can be incredibly powerful. Oh, you yeah. believe that this was never going to be fixed. Oh, here you go. Please, you tell me how you feel. And they say, "Oh, I'm feeling amazing. How is this possible?" And then you explain, "Okay, the assumption that you had that had become part of your identity now that is updated." And then the mind serves the new identity, keeps them in that healed, high vibrational state. Oh, oh I love that. Amazing. And I'm, I'm very curious about Dragon Reiki. Can you tell me a bit about that? <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're especially because energy. you're already a Reiki master yourself, Nori. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, so this this energy of healing is, is part of the fabric of universe. We all have access to it. Getting empowerments from a master helps greatly. It facilitates the process. So through attunements or empowerments, sigil magic is used. So the whole uh, kanji symbols, these are sigils of power with the intention. They're not necessary, but they're incredibly helpful at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So now let's combine different things together. It's all energy after all. So really, yes. my answer to you is just a philosophical change in your point of view how you conduct this energy so you've got so where does reiki come from it's a it's an it's an evolution of taoist qigong so the the qigong masters were the first to use this kind of thing uh, then you've got the indian pranayama so the way that you consciously breathe and move energy around your own system comes into it and then there's another modality you're invoking the energy of the dragon dragon's breath so with the breathing synchronized with the client as they breathe you breathe this is another level upon that and then there is movement so instead of just uh, holding yourself steady you're combining movements of qigong so you start rolling around playing with the energy yeah twisting it around like a dragon would do and once it's built up with your breathing then you send this to the client ah Okay, Amazing. and it gives them goosebumps. Some yes. start shaking and happiness, right? Yes. So it's a combination of, let's say, ecstatic dancing, qigong, pranayama, uh, yusui reiki, corona reiki, and also the intuitive movements of your own body. We are the masters, after all. 
Yes. And so we're basically in communication with our infinite soul, depending yeah. on what the client is, the movements may change, but still you're flowing with the energy as it's channeled through you, you're sending it to the client with the correct intention. So yeah. the movements are very important. You're just moving yeah. in flow, yeah. pulling energy from the earth to the heaven, channeling it right back down from heaven to the earth inside the heart, depending on what they need. You're just fine-tuning the energy that would be most conducive to kickstart the healing process. At the end, the patient, the client is doing the healing. You just want to yes. kickstart it. Yes. So that would be an explanation of this. Yes. Oh, that's so satisfying. Thank you. That answer is so satisfying. What does, yes, thank you. What does your healing practice look like? Do people reach you online and have sessions or in real life or both or what does that look it's all, like it's all remote so like zoom so please consider this that the, the the healings that we do it doesn't depend on our muscles right right it's coming from somewhere different and so therefore when it's not a physical thing time and 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 space are not important so somebody could be the exact opposite point on the planet. Interesting thing, Reiki masters are familiar with sending healing backwards in time, forwards in time, or even what? Healing parallel realities, all aspects of the self that may exist in different realities. Guess what? I'm the master. I'm healing all of me. Yes. So yeah, these, these are done online. They're done yeah. via Zoom. People kind of i mean you've probably come across this as as soon as they start feeling the energy they go oh my god oh my god i can feel it and, yes. and, and then they kind of relax into it okay this is happening i don't know yes. what's happening but it feels it feels good yes yes and the prevalence now of healers making themselves known because you know we've all been here but back in the day we we're kind of in the closet is that because of the evolution and it's just time or is there another reason why we are so present in mass i think this is a really good thing to be honest there's not enough of us exactly. the more the merrier now if somebody is practicing from from the heart and with integrity and with connection to source, hey, more power to you, buddy. I salute you. We need more. I mean, look at the world we're living in. Uh, 21st century medicine is brilliant, but a lot of the pharmaceuticals just mask the illness. They don't cure anything. Yes. A lot of the times, if the energy is regulated, the body takes care of it. You heal. Same way you got sick when you were under stress, the same way you can heal yourself when you remove the stress. Our bodies yeah. are amazing. And so I think, you know, dear Nori, the more healers, the better. The world needs more, more, more. And so if you can train more healers, even better. It's a good yeah. sign. It's such a good sign. It's a beautiful it sign. So this... we, I'm sorry, Agi, please. Sorry. I'll be quick. Uh, is this the kind of healing that works whether people believe that it will or not. I know George Spencer talks about that, but they do. They don't have to believe that it works. It says it works anyway. Um, it's something that they come to believe, especially when, for example, you're describing 
working on the heart chakra mm-hmm. and they feel your energy and it feels really pleasant and soothing tears start coming they feel liberated and then you ask them just to trust what they're feeling so it's like putting your hand underneath a tap and saying is it hot or cold there's no force here you tell me what you're feeling is the water cold is it warm is it pleasant is it unpleasant so you see it it's all evidence based and that should be something that people must consider ladies and gentlemen please maintain your healthy skepticism <laughs> don't just trust anything that's that's dangerous yeah so if if the scientific method can be applied it's reliable it's repeatable it's valid right all these things that you would do in a chemistry experiment you apply okay don't throw your brains out guys just because somebody claims something that doesn't mean they're for real but say i say i'm a healer i can do the same type of healing on 10 different people over 10 different weeks all of them see the exact same results the outcome is the same the heart chakra is repaired a lot of negative energy we carry in the heart is gone okay then you can consider it and yes please follow your intuition the unfortunate truth is that even in the spiritual community there's a lot of hoaxers there's a lot of negative stuff going on like anything if you you have to be street smart so that's something i would recommend everybody to consider please 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 be careful guys uh, yes. trust your intuition if something in your gut tells you there's something off just trust it walk away yes yes here's a great question that came up in the chat room from adrian can ai perform reiki great question <laughs> yes yes it can yes. so how how does a human become a reiki master it takes a number of sessions of empowerment and repeated uh, repeated meditations uh, by the way this energy of reiki can be embodied in different vessels a human being it can be embodied in a sigil of power upon the walls of a temple it can be embodied in sound it can be embodied in color it can be embodied in a crystal hey by the way these crystals are all permanent reiki attuned they never ah. fizzle out right and so with the code you would give the same intention and lines of code writing down the mantras and it can become an incredibly powerful healer so you run the program in the background is reciting the mantras of power with all the intention you can have sigils implanted into the coding yes it can very powerfully so beautiful beautiful we're almost out of time i i hope you'll come back in in the not too distant future and visit with us again there's so much more to talk about but please tell people how they can reach you and where they can find you uh, of course so um i've got a website uh, wizardofwivenhoe.co.uk all one word or search me up on facebook amir jahangiri and so you can find the links to my webpage on my facebook page um send me an email or write me on facebook it will be an absolute pleasure to have a conversation with all of you 
thank you. So generous. Yeah, gosh, I have several notes here that we really needed to wanted to talk about, and there were no time. So part two, part two, part three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have fun again next time because uh, I got some goodies here for you. So. Anyway, I thank you so much for being with us. This was good. It was so good. Thank you. Thank you, Amir. Yeah, and now it's two in the morning, so we'll let you go to bed. Bless you. Bless you, yes. Thanks, everybody in the chat room. I see you. And if you are watching the replay, thank you for being here as well. What a beautiful, beautiful immersion into such beautiful energy tonight. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget, we have the new show Friday, 730 Eastern, Quantum Wellbeing. It's only 30 minutes. And, you know, I'm kind of observing the topics and the way that they're rolling out for me because I'm following my intuition and I realize as the good nurse and healer that I am, I find myself speaking often to people who are just beginning to wake up and go, what in God's name is going on? So if you are sometimes baffled by a lot of the language that you hear in many of the shows, or you feel like it's running over your head, please come see me Friday night, 7.30. Check out the shows that are on the Broadcast Team Alpha YouTube channel. Um, they're kind of primers, you know, they're kind of they're kind of awakening 101, if you will, um, because it's in my heart. So much love, everybody. Be well. Thank you, Amir. Blessings. Thank you. See you later. Thank you, Matt.